Recently, we spent time in Abu Dhabi, UAE, at ADFW, which stands for Abu Dhabi Finance Week. While we were there, we met some of the biggest leaders in the finance world that had ties back to the crypto space. They shared their insights on the evolving areas of finance, the MENA region, which stands for Middle Eastern and North Africa, and where Web3 is headed in 2024. We'll jump into a quick conversation we had with Kevin O'Leary, aka Mr. Wonderful, and his takes on the MENA region, M2 Crypto Exchange, and the future of crypto. Then we'll discuss how Binance is navigating its most recent news with the SEC, their NFT strategy, and why 120 million users is still a small number. Next, we'll get a first-hand perspective from the eToro leader on how their trader ecosystem is booming with crypto helping to lead the way. Lastly, we'll talk to the CEO of an investment firm that has 16 years worth of experience in investing in the MENA region and the industries he believes are the most vulnerable to technological disruption in the coming years. Step away from your PCs and dive headfirst into the edge of innovation, where you're a player two, and this is the edge of NFT. Press start. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element about Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hey guys, this is Josh, uh, co-host of Edge of T, here with the one and only Kevin O'Leary. We meet in Abu Dhabi of all places. Well, why not? Yeah, why not? Let's get your thoughts. What's going on in this region that gets you excited? One word, growth. Yeah. There's no place like this. Yeah. What place on earth is growing this fast, attracting this much capital in so many sectors? If you don't know about this, you're crazy. Yeah. I mean, this is why so many people are here. This is, for me, number one in the new digital economy, digital payment systems, and also number one in AI investment. Yeah. Because they have real commercialized use coming out of here. So I'm very interested in that. Cool, and you're supporting M2, which oh. I went to the launch party yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Amazing what they're I mean, doing here. They, what got you excited about that? Are, are they lucky or what in their timing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, perfect time to launch. I because, just spoke to the CEO yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Stefan, I mean, when I met him first, I said, how are you going to get market share from FTX and Binance when they have problem 90, solved. when nine problem solved? They both yeah. went to zero on their own. Yeah. Like, that's absolutely incredible. And then yeah. the only thing left is him. I got to say, there's a lot of rising exchanges, a lot of rising L1s that are sort of position themselves for the next bull run. So you're, you're pro-crypto in a more regulated well, environment. I'm, well, I'm pro-crypto and digital payment systems. The trouble with the other exchanges, they don't have the financial backing M2 has. M2 is backed by massive financial institutions with 100%. Unlimited collateral. Unlimited collateral, but also the compliance platform that lets me invest without the risk I had in the aforementioned names earlier, right? They didn't do it the right way. These guys have figured it out. They're going to do it the right way, and I want to be part of it. So I'm, I'm buying the Phoenix shares because they own 30%. Fair enough. Thanks, Kevin, for your time. I you got it. You. Thank you. Thank you. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. 
if you're into those sorts of things. Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Trading Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Hi, everyone. Josh Krieger here, co-host of Edge of NFT. I am live in Abu Dhabi at the Abu Dhabi Finance Week 2023. And it's been an eventful few days. We're all tired. There's been a lot of fun events, including yours. Mm -hmm. And I'm here with Alex Jahadi, who's the executive director, general manager of Dubai for Binance UAE. Yeah. It's a pleasure to meet you and get to know you over the past few days and what you guys are up to in the region. For our audience at home, just a little bit about Alex's background. He has 20 years of experience in finance, including 12 years dedicated to operations and trading, which has been focused in digital assets since 2016. He's really passionate about the space, obviously, and has built a career based on high-tech organization leadership worldwide, strategy, innovation, team development. And at finance, he's overseeing cryptocurrency ecosystem expansion, including Web3 and the metaverse. So, about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I think it's important for us to start the conversation with the recent news, and there's been a resolution, so to speak, with Binance and its relationship with the U.S. government, SEC. Yeah. I'm really curious, like, what now? What does that road forward look like? So now we have certainty, we can plan for the future. So with certainty, it's easier to plan businesses, and Richard is taking the helm. He's a fantastic leader and he's the right guy to lead the business with strange experience, great regulatory experience and crypto experience. So the perfect candidate to lead us forward. And we're looking forward to driving adoption and building the Web3 economy. Yeah, Binance has been a sort of leader in the technological advancement of the industry through a lot of different avenues, right? And I guess now that the coast is clear, you all can sort of launch all these exciting projects that you've been working on. In particular, since we are the edge of NFT, I am curious strategically, what's that roadmap look like? Because I think we've gone from a place of NFTs being a shiny object. Everyone enjoyed trying new things, experimenting. How do you see NFTs strategically fitting into sort of the broader adoption economy? And, and how is Binance looking at NFTs from a, sort of a use case perspective, infrastructure perspective? Okay, so... The use cases for NFTs are being explored more. As you said before, it was just a shiny object. We didn't really understand how to utilize it. And so you're seeing non-fungible real-world assets as NFTs. You know, it's a like-for-like use case. And then we're seeing engagement with clients as another great use case. You know, Nike are really engaging with their community with NFT drops, tagging real-world sneakers with NFTs. And it's really helping drive their customer satisfaction. We're a customer-focused company as well, so we're also looking at ways to engage. Reward and, consumer behavior. Yeah, reward consumer behavior, be able to airdrop things to clients, being able to notify people. So we've also got a Web3 wallet, which will start to interact with the economy. And so with the engagement and that digital identity, which people are using, the avatars as well, 
we see a bright, bright future ahead for this product. We're an innovative company. We love to innovate. And so whatever's establishing themselves, we'll, we'll be there doing it. Cool. And I mean, and there's a lot of sort of interesting NFT sort of uh, traditional token economies coming up, right? And I'm sure with listing opportunities and whatnot, any particular projects that sort of touch on the NFT world that have recently sort of been listed by Binance or that you guys have announced? I don't think we've done anything too drastic of late. You know, the, it's at the moment, the leaders are traditional businesses that are exploring. I think all traditional businesses prefer the narrative of Web3. Everyone's looked at the companies that embrace the internet are still around and the leaders now. So the narrative of Web3 resonates with existing businesses. And so they're still experimenting with their NFTs, the use cases that we mentioned, but it's yet to pan out, right? It's still early, it's still yeah. experimental. In speaking of experiments, I have to say in, in my time in the UAE over the last month, I've been really impressed in how the government has embraced experimentation, whether it's virtual worlds. There, here there's a demo of mediation in the metaverse, right? What's sort of your perspective on the ground here in this region in terms of the adoption of cryptocurrency, the adoption of NFT technology, and how is that sort of different than other regions? There's a specific drive from this country in all the Emirates to diversify away from fossil fuels and build the, the new emerging economies. I think PwC have given us some numbers of about $20 billion of additional GDP for embracing blockchain. And so the government has, the Dubai government established a blockchain strategy, I think in 2016. So they've really been moving at that for these years into blockchain and it's they've given the certainty to businesses to attract them so they've attracted companies like binance to the region and you've seen all the other companies that are here they've been attracted to the region for this and then you get the network effect of everyone being here sharing ideas and really really developing like blockchain and web3 so exciting times ahead I guess just to take a step back, you have a global sort of set of users. Uh, I don't know what the recent numbers are. You could tell me that in terms of folks using your platform and whatnot. I'm really curious how those demographic trends are adjusting in terms of age, background of your users. Like, are we at a point where this is a tipping point or if not, where do we go next? So I believe we have 160 million users globally and... The demographic is, as you would expect, it's young, tech-savvy, slightly more male than female. We're looking to sort of... It's changing. Yeah, we're, a we're pushing. Bit. I mean, we have a lot of senior leaders, there's women in Binance. And going back to because it's experimental and new, yeah, the younger demographic lead that. And that's why in the region here, you know, there's a slightly younger demographic. And that's why we're looking to lead development. Sounds good. Any closing thoughts? Anything on the Binance roadmap that you're particularly excited about coming up the next few quarters? Just new products continue to innovate, protect users and grow the market. It's still small. We're in crypto, NFTs and blockchain and we live and breathe it. Yeah, 160 million compared to the global population. It's still small. Yeah. I mean, and, and you all have the biggest user base in the world, right? Yeah. So we have a ways to go. Yeah. Social networks are much bigger, right? And so, you know, long way to go. So looking forward to the journey. All right. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Cheers. 
And now a brief interlude from today's show so you can get ready to wave your magic wand with Cast Magic. Our team has saved a ton of time and money using Cast Magic for our show, and the potential use cases are boundless for any company creating content. Imagine turning a single recording into a gold mine of engagement for any type of show, webinar, or other type of audio and or video content, whether it's short or long. With Cast Magic, you can save over 20 hours a week. No more tedious transcribing or brainstorming social media posts. Cast Magic does it all, generating show notes, summaries, blog posts, and even newsletters in minutes. Think of it as your content alchemist, transforming every audio or video into a treasure trove of valuable content. Want to experience the magic? Get a seven-day trial on us by going to bit.ly forward slash Cast Magic Referral and join Cast Magic's vibrant Slack community of over a thousand innovators. Don't just create, cast your magic with Cast Magic. Hi everyone, Josh Krieger here, co-host of Edge of NFT. I am live in Abu Dhabi. It's our first time being here and we're really excited to be here for the ADFW event. It's lively out there and I'd say there's a lot happening in the region and I'm pleased to be here with Ben Laidler at eToro, whose firm had a huge announcement the other day. We're going to get to know each other and talk a little bit about that. Ben, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So just a little bit of background for you folks at home about Ben's background. He's the eToro Global Market Strategist. He has 25 years of global investment research experience, including roles at a number of different places, including HSBC in New York, also at JP Morgan. Prior to that, he had a position of CEO at independent research firm Tower Hudson in London. He's here joining us from, from London for this event. Thank you. So I guess just to kick things off, tell us a little bit about why you chose to be part of eToro's journey. I was sharing a little bit of my history. I was familiar with you all sort of launching back in the day with the relatively ambitious goal of bringing compliance and regulation to new asset classes, including cryptocurrency. And a lot's happened since then. So what made you sort of join the fray? Right. So as you say, I spent 25 years on the institutional side. Now I'm on the retail side. The attraction is the growth. To be frank, we're up at 34 million users in 100 countries, so completely global, you know, all asset classes, crypto, stocks, FX, commodities, you know, ETF indices. So that's the attraction, you know, a growing business across the world, all asset classes, and basically being able to help retail investors on the investment journey. Makes sense. And as I mentioned a little bit foreshadowing to our audience, there's some big news yesterday that was dropped, a little bit of a ceremony here at the event. Can you share a little bit more about that news and what's going on with the platform? Yeah, so we've got investment license essentially for, for the UAE. And as I say, we're in 100 markets. We have 34 million registered users. And now we have a license here. Hopefully we can go out and get more users and be more useful to clients in the region. So you know, it's a big step forward for us. It's clearly a region with a lot of potential. Regulators making a lot of effort. There's a lot of growth. And we hope to be part of that. Makes sense. And you have a big team here visiting from all over your different offices, yeah, for this occasion? It's pretty huge. For those of you that can't see, we have like a massive booth outside full of not only eToro people, but also a lot of people from our popular investor program, which... I've met some of them and they're really excited too. Yeah, I mean, not to go off script too much, but one of the unique products that we have is you can go onto the platform, you can find an investor on the platform that you like, that has an interesting strategy, that has a good track record, and you can copy them. Yeah, and I, I, met, I met someone I might copy, actually, one of your investors I met yesterday. Well, there we go. We brainwashed you already. So yeah, and you basically follow them for the investment journey. You copy exactly what they do at the same time, same price, 
It's, it's pretty novel. It's fairly unique to us, and, and we have a lot of them here. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's a good way to sort of dive in without sort of having to learn everything from scratch, exactly right? It. And it really does democratize investment opportunities. And so doing that for this region, of course, is going to attract a lot of busy folks that want to get involved in on a retail side. So makes sense. What's your sort of general perspective on the economic development happening in this region? Obviously, this event is a good indication sure. of the vitality of the region. I've heard that like a much, I won't quote numbers, but a much lower decline in sort of economic value in the markets here relative to the rest of the world over the last sort of 12 months. But what are you guys seeing? So I think that's right. I think the region had a good slowdown, right? The global economy is slowing. Middle East has slowed less. Why? I mean, they came into this with not very much debt, current account, you know, surpluses. They've clearly been diversifying trade, investment, the economy for sort of years. And I think that's really sort of helped them out. And then looking forward, I think 2024 is going to be a better year. I think it'll be one of the few places in the world growing over 4%. And with interest rates being cut, I think the biggest sectors here, banks, real estate, should do very well. And there's a lot more than that. I mean, we're financial services event. You know, we've just got our license. There's a big, there's a lot of asset managers moving to the region. There's a big fintech sort of culture building. We've got COP28 starting today. Yeah. There's an awful lot going on here on renewable, solar, nuclear. So it's pretty dynamic. Well, and do you have any thoughts on sort of trends specifically around cryptocurrency companies that you guys are working with that you're excited about that you could kind of share just like I think we're in this sort of general bear market but there's a lot of building going on a lot of interesting higher quality companies coming out of this bear market any specifics there that sort of has your attention well, I would say a couple of things so I'm the investment guy by far the best performing asset class in the world this year was cryptocurrency which I think has been a huge reminder that, that is a that is a big big deal when you're talking about like people talking about how that market and, and potential is suffering I mean those are big yeah numbers. I mean crypto winter last year has become 120 percent rally this year which is twice what you made in sort of big tech so I think that's refocused people's attention a little bit I was in one of the presentations here earlier with Jenny Johnson who's the CEO of Franklin Templeton which is one of the biggest asset managers in the world she spends 30 percent of her time dealing with tech disruption. And, and that really sort of caught my ear. That's a lot of time. And she's spending it because she's afraid we have more tech disruption going on now, whether it's blockchain, whether it's AI, whatever it may be, than I think we've ever seen. And that's forcing people like this to sort of pay attention, dedicate the time. And I think that's sort of symptomatic of sort of how exciting a lot of these trends are right now. Makes sense. And a lot of industries are ripe for disruption. It's, it's fairly ubiquitous, but are there any particular sort of industries that you think are more likely to be disrupted by this type of technology that you mentioned? So I'm going to dodge the question and answer it this way. I don't think there's an industry that is not vulnerable to disruption. I think every industry is vulnerable to disruption. I think the issue is within all these industries, how you're handling it, whether you're open to it, whether, like as it sounds like Franklin Templeton, whether you're dedicating the time to it and recognizing that I could just be disrupted out of existence. I look at public market companies. If you look at the largest public, those big, magnificent seven tech stocks today, they weren't here 15 years ago. It was a whole different tech stocks, which we don't talk about today because they're not the biggest stocks anymore. I mean, the disruption is absolutely constant. Uh, a, and B, I think now it's sort of faster than ever. So I think regardless of the industry, I would split it either as people that are embracing the disruption 
or people that are hiding from it. If you're hiding from it, you won't be here in 10 years time. Yeah, some prudent thoughts there. And speaking of prudent thoughts, you've been in investment management for a long time. Just a sort of fun question that came to mind is, if you could go back to your younger self, any investment advice that you would have given yourself, say 25 years prior to sort of you starting your career? Get started. I guess what I mean by that is investing rewards time in the market, not timing the market. It's said that compounding returns is the eighth wonder of the world. The advantage retail investors have, they tend to be younger. The average age on our platform is about 30. It's about a decade younger than sort of traditional finance. They tend to be digitally native. So they tend to be open to technology. They tend to be open to cryptocurrency. And that set them up sort of very well. So that would be my advice. Just, just get started. And what about from a portfolio management perspective? Because you hear all these different theories on how much diversification in cryptocurrency and other sort of non-traditional assets. I've heard everything from no more than 1% or 2% of your portfolio unless you're in the industry to looking at the facts like crypto being the best performance and being a little bit more liberal across asset classes. What's your theory on diversification and where you draw those lines? Yeah, so diversification is good, A. So I think you need to be diversified. And what's interesting about today is there are more products that enable you to do that than ever before, and they're cheaper than they ever have been. So frankly speaking, there's no excuse. Yeah. What's also interesting is crypto is just not as risky as it used to be. Hmm. You know, the volatility has come down a lot. So it's clearly a risky asset class, but it's not as risky as it used to be. We've seen stocks move north and south pretty quickly the past few years too. Absolutely. It's in all asset classes. So I think you need to be diversified. I think it's easier now than ever. It's cheaper now than ever. Our copy product is essentially a diversification product. Are you seeing trends in terms of how much more exposure folks are taking to cryptocurrency in your platform? So retail investors have a lot of exposure to crypto already, which in some ways is natural. As I might say, the age is younger. They're not retiring for 40 or 50 years. They can be more risk tolerant because yeah. they're not about to retire. And you see that reflected in the high levels of tech ownership, the high levels of crypto ownership. Well, appreciate this time to chat. Congrats again on putting your footprint in this region in a major way. If folks want to learn more about eToro and, and what you're up to, where do you suggest they go? Yeah, eToro.com. Bunch of tools, bunch of education. Cool. Thanks a lot, Ben. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Hello again, Web3 Curious listeners. If you're tuning into our podcast, we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels. Let us know what aspects of the show you love and what or who you're eager to hear more about. Your insights help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Thanks for sticking with us. Back to the episode. Hey, everyone. I'm Richard, and I am here at Abu Dhabi Finance Week, and I have the incredible opportunity to talk to Dr. Kareem with Wealth Capital. They're doing some incredible things. Talked on a panel yesterday and provided some incredible insights. But Dr. Kareem, how are you doing today? Very well. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, first, I uh, want to kind of just tap into the Gulf Capital. What are some of the investment thesis that you have and how has it been evolving as MENA continues to evolve? Well, we're the uh, oldest, largest private equity firm in the region established in 2006. We're launching our fourth buyout fund. We manage about two and a half billion dollars and very focused on control buyouts in the Gulf. But not only in the Gulf, we're also pushing in Asia. We opened an office in Singapore. We're taking our companies from the Gulf to the rest of Asia, connecting these two regions, which are the fastest growing regions in the world today. So we're becoming more and more of a pan-Asian investor as well. 
That's amazing. And earlier this year, we got the opportunity to go to South Korea and to Singapore. And then and even being here, just seeing the excitement around the opportunity to invest in a lot of emerging markets and seeing things adjust post-pandemic. How have you seen that adjustment kind of pan out and where do you see things going as we head into 2024? I think the growth in the region is phenomenal, especially post-pandemic. It's really impressive. You saw Saudi Arabia grow at 8.7% last year, Abu Dhabi at 9%. The momentum is phenomenal and we're feeling it in our portfolio companies. Most of our companies hit record profitability this year. They're growing annually profit at 17% CAGR the last five years. And we're very impressed with growth and momentum. This region is really taking off. You saw in Saudi yesterday, a Nasriyad Expo, right after the World Cup 2034 win. Expo's coming with tomorrow, Cup 28 is starting. We have Abu Dhabi Finance Week. You can feel this is a region on the move going places. Yeah, a lot of excitement. And it's cool to see so many different events happening as well, having a lot more reasons for people internationally wanting to come to this region and explore. So throughout your portfolio, you have all kinds of different things that you've been looking at. What are some of the different sectors that's been really grabbing your attention? So today we're focused on five priority sectors, which are themes for Fund 3 and Fund 4, namely tech and fintech, healthcare, business services, consumer, and sustainability. Sustainability, we invest in water, clean water, food security, and energy transition. So these are all very exciting sectors growing double digit. Yeah, and I think we'll continue to go. Uh, we are big fine, uh, fintech people and love to see how things are continue to evolve. But kind of as we wrap up here, I always like to ask a fun question. And with all the information that you have, if you could give a piece of wisdom to yourself when you're first starting your financial journey, what would you tell yourself? That's interesting. One thing we have learned, the more we travel and we more, the more global our companies are, the more valuable they are and you reduce single country risk. So big is beautiful. I wouldn't do a deal where I put all my eggs in one basket in one country. Today, people are surprised. Gulf Capital portfolio companies operate in 65 countries around the world. We build global leaders from this region and we want to back management that travel well and that can internationalize our companies. And often the first destination is we look to Asia to expand there. So building global platforms, traveling well is important, I think. I think that's a great takeaway. And I think I'm even learning that in my journey as I get to explore more of the world and, and seeing what's out there to, to keep diversification. So for all those who are listening, what are ways that they can go learn more about Gulf Capital and find ways to get involved? We have our website, gulfcapital.com. We're on LinkedIn and we talk about our investment strategy, our portfolio companies, our priority sectors, so they can learn about us there. Excellent. Well, appreciate your time today, Dr. Kareem. And uh, everyone, make sure to go check them out. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Okay. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of those links. Refer to our website, www.edgeofnft.com, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, and privacy policy.